Thank you for downloading this episode of A History of Central Florida podcast. This is the podcast where we explore Central Florida's history through the artifacts found in local area museums and historical societies. This series is brought to you by Riches, the regional initiative to collect the history, experiences, and stories of Central Florida and the Orange County Regional History Center. I am Bethany Dickens, and I will be your host for this episode titled Tapestries. A beautiful collection of tapestries that tell the local history of a community adorn the walls of the New Smyrna Museum. They reveal ways in which women participated in the economy during the Great Depression. During the Great Depression, women's work changed. As families struggled to afford even the most basic of necessities, produced goods suddenly became treasured items. In the throes of the Great Depression, items we take for granted today, such as furniture, cars, and even food, were not plentiful for every family. Thus, it became more acceptable for women to enter the workforce. Many of them did because of New Deal programs supported by the federal government to put people back to work. Dr. Susan Ware, author of Beyond Suffrage, Women in the New Deal, explains. One of the things that's interesting about New Deal programs is that women actually did have access to them. Uh, women were considered uh, as potential relief subjects and were eligible for aid. Having, having said that, the women's projects were a much, much lower priority uh, for New Deal administrators. Their image of the unemployed was an unemployed man, and it was a man who had a family that needed to be supported with a wife and children, and yet there were quite a few unemployed women, and they didn't always have a man to take care of him of them. Maybe he'd skipped town, maybe he died, maybe he just wasn't um, living up to his responsibilities. And so to the credit of the New Deal, uh, they did reach out uh, and try to provide some work opportunities for women, but they were always a much smaller proportion than the opportunities available to men. The Federal Emergency Relief Act, or FERA, sought to put people to work immediately when President Franklin Roosevelt came into office. For the women of New Smyrna, a project was designed under FERA and was moved to the WPA and completed in the sewing room there, along with other projects, such as making American flags. The reason for this opportunity was because Harry Hopkins, who was the federal administrator for many of these New Deal programs, envisioned women having a role in them. Nick Taylor, author of American Made, The Enduring Legacy of the WPA, tells us about this. The WPA under Harry Hopkins was dedicated to putting people to work according to the skills that they had. And so, therefore, there would have been women who could do needlepoint, and um, thus these historical uh, artifacts were created by the WPA. In many cases, all around the country, including New Smyrna, uh, they still exist. Women were permitted to work. But their work and their workplace were gendered to notions of a women's sphere. Here, Dr. Ware tells us about this. The jobs were very gendered, and I think the dominant image of a WPA worker is a construction worker. 
uh, you know, building those dams and building those um, recreational areas and all the things we associate with the WPA. In the 1930s, women were not considered suitable for construction work or any kind of hard labor. I'm sure many women worked just as hard as that in their homes, um, but this was just not seen as an option. And so when the New Deal folks, like at the WPA, were trying to figure out, well, what kinds of jobs can we get give to women, they went to the most stereotyped and typical jobs associated with women, things like sewing rooms, nursery school teachers, running playgrounds for children at schools, things like that. So the work was very much along traditional lines for women, and they were also jobs that men would never have been interested in or taken. The objects on display at the New Smyrna Museum communicate the talent and diligence of the women assigned to the project. Dorothy Morton and Georgia Osborne designed the tapestries on large sheets of brown paper. The New Smyrna Museum displays one of the designs that was never turned into a tapestry. It is an alternative view of the Civil War era bombing in New Smyrna from the view of the ship. The scene that was turned into the tapestry is from the view of the hotel that was bombed. We don't know why the second scene wasn't turned into a finished tapestry, but it is evidence that the artists modeled a variety of options before they committed to an illustration. There are six completed tapestries in total, and one not completed. After Morton and Osborne finished their designs, the designs were sent to the WPA Women's Work Center and embroidered under the direction of Cora S. Wilson. This interest in local history was not unusual for these types of creative projects, as Nick Taylor explains. There's an awful lot of, um, of local history that was um, preserved or replicated or, um, or shown in, in WPA artwork, whether it came out of sewing rooms or whether it came out of um, the Federal Art Project. For the most part, they were primarily trying to co depict America as it was. That would have been the bulk of the output of the art project. But um, in an historical sense, people would have been trying also to, um, you know, put a handle on their history and show it as it was perceived at that time. Here, Dr. Ware describes the WPA's attempts to regain a sense of the American past and how the tapestries might fit into this common effort to commemorate a shared historical experience. They're showing a real interest in Florida history. Uh, they're looking back at key moments and then trying to represent them through cruel embroidery and sewing. And in some ways, this is a theme that gets picked up very much by the WPA, if you think about all of the efforts uh, to recover the American past, many of those came out of the women's and professional projects. They were lumped together. So things like the Federal Art Project or the Federal Theater Project, many of them were very concerned with uncovering American roots. If you think about also the murals that were done in post offices or the WPA guides to cities and to 
States. So there's a real interest in history, and I think it's interesting that this earlier project really was already had zeroed in on that as something that would be important. These women also had a great deal of pride in their work. This is obvious upon a close examination of the tapestries. We asked Nick Taylor whether these women's projects were supported by the local communities. For the most part, they were welcomed because um, communities, any community, any town, city, uh, county, uh, would have been stressed by the fact that people didn't have jobs. Um, the tax income wasn't there, and uh, therefore anybody that could be put to work was less of a burden on the people who were working and the taxpayers who could still afford to pay taxes. Some people were reluctant to receive what they regarded as charity, but the vast majority of people, local government politicos included, would have welcomed these jobs with open arms. They certainly provided money into people's pockets, which went uh, back into the economy in terms of grocery store purchases, clothing, shoes, that kind of thing. And so really it was um, valuable both for the stimulus and for the uh, work that was done in and of itself. The works would be displayed prominently. They were initially donated to the local Chamber of Commerce upon completion. Dr. Nick Wynn, Director Emeritus of the Florida Historical Society, explains why these projects were exhibited after completion. What was produced in these uh, sewing rooms and canning uh, factories uh, were exhibited almost like uh, county fairs. You, you you wanted to give the public an idea of how the money was being spent. Uh, they could see that in construction projects, although uh, Lord knows there were enough jokes made about the WPA construction and we poke alone a lot of a lot of people called it, but you couldn't see it in the in the sewing rooms and all that. So they had expositions uh, and uh, the best sewers were encouraged to do this. That, that might have been their assignment, was to produce something like that. These tapestries exemplify the new opportunities for women in the 1930s and new ideas about work. While these women were still performing domestic tasks, they were doing so in public and earning money for their families. This would lead to further opportunities, as described by Nick Taylor. Given the role that women played at the time, Sewing rooms fell under uh, a part of the WPA called the Division of Women's and Professional Projects. Actually, there were more professional women who worked um, in the WPA than there were professional men. The men did primarily construction jobs. Women, there were clerks, secretaries, and so forth. And then there were sewing room workers as well. Sewing room work introduced uh, a lot of women to wor a workplace outside the home. That would have been less true of people who were already, women who were already employed outside the home in more professional roles. But um, it was commonplace, of course, at the time for men to be the breadwinners. Not everybody had that option. Not every woman was married, but they had to provide for themselves as best they could. Women were putting foot into the, um, into the workplace in a way that had not been done before. The tapestries hung in the Southeast Volusia Chamber of Commerce until renovation and remodeling in the mid-1980s forced them out and eventually into the New Smyrna Museum of History. Although these tapestries tell us the history of New Smyrna, 
They also provide a glimpse into the changing nature of women and their role in the workforce during the early 20th century. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of A History of Central Florida podcast. For more information about the tapestries featured in this episode, visit the New Smyrna Museum of History at 120 Sam's Avenue in New Smyrna Beach, Florida, 32168. And make sure to join us for our next episode titled Salt and Pepper Shakers.